Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Father, we look to your word tonight. We look to um, the word of God. And Lord Jesus, we're praying that even as you spoke this 2,000 years ago, that you would illuminate it. Holy Spirit, you would illuminate the words of the Son of God. That they would have fresh application in our hearts. Even as we understand your dealings with us today, the way you shepherd young people, uh, just give us insight. We want to be those that are capable shepherds and leaders and spiritual fathers and mothers to a generation that is coming into the kingdom. Lord, we believe we're in days of revival. We believe we're in days of breakthrough. There will be many new converts And we want to know how to shepherd them well. So show us from your word uh, how you lead, how you father, how you pastor and shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Luke 15, verse 11. And even though this story is about, you know, the father and two sons, this this is applicable to, you know, men and women. This is... This could be two daughters, but just the story is a father and sons. But this is how God interacts with men and women, with with young people who are, uh, you know, young ladies or young men. So it's not like it's just geared toward guys only. Uh, It's just how the story plays out. But I think there's a lot of insight in this story. And, And this actually goes back to, if you remember, the last school of prayer we did one of the nights we just began to realize how so many stories have like family, the parables about family and siblings in particular. I don't know if you remember that, Crusoe. We ended up talking about that. And that theme has just stuck out to me ever since then. But here's another instance where the story really involves two brothers. And... You know, one has a a certain trajectory they go, and the other one has another one, and there's this father in the story, but I just think it's interesting. Here's another story where the greatest teacher ever in history is saying, you know, it's the kingdom of heaven, or, you know, it's my father's like this. And the story is with two brothers. And, you know, I think Jesus shared this because he knows what he's talking about. You know, he shared this story purposefully. It's like he knew a lot of believers are going to go this direction and a lot of believers are going to go this direction and you need to know the Father's heart toward each of the categories. Um, It's a little bit simplistic, but in my experience, this is very accurate. Not everybody behaves like either one of these sons, but a lot of the, a lot of us do. A lot of us tend toward the 
prodigal side of temptation or the kind of the more self-righteous side of temptation. Of course, the gold standard is Christ or the father in the story, you know, they're one. But, you know, for, the, for, the, for all intents and purposes, we want to be like the father in the story. And the father in the story has a certain way of interacting with the prodigal and a certain way of interacting with the pious. You know, we're not going to lead or shepherd or help perfect people. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect churches. That was a perfect backbend, though. Excellent. <laughs> I, love, I love this. Okay, no tumbling class tomorrow, so we're doing it tonight at House of Prayer. Praise the Lord. I'm going to try to stay on track with that. Maybe, honey, can you do that in the back? Can you do that in the back? That's, that's pretty cool. I don't know where I was going. There we go. Okay. Let's start by reading this passage. I want to give a little bit of commentary as we go, but let's just read this passage to remember um, what was said here. And keeping in mind, a lot of people focus on the prodigal son. Uh, that's like the only thing they catch when they read this story. But Jesus wants us to know there's a lot more than just focusing on that. There's this other brother. And, and my, my, one of my points tonight is that either ditch, whether you go prodigal or you go pious, whether you go into compromise or self-righteousness, they're both sin and they're both a trap, they're both a ditch. And one is not worse than the other. They're both, they're equally bad. Okay, and so, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to develop this a little bit. Some people go, oh my goodness, the, the prodigal, oh, that's so bad. And Jesus' point in the stories, it's also really bad to be the other brother. And they have two different kinds of consequences but they're, they're just, they, they look different, and so they're impo it's important to catch both of them. But again, let's just begin to read this. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. So he's telling the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin. Then there's the lost son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. This is an IV, by the way. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Some translations say prodigal. Some translations say wild living. Excuse me. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. This is crazy. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. If you're a, a, a Jewish person hearing this story, you're like shocked at the absurdity of that statement because the Jewish people, uh, pigs were unclean. 
And so just the lowest of the, I mean, they're understanding this is the lowest of the possible low that you could ever possibly get. And so they're like, ooh, they're probably hearing the story. We don't really connect to it like that, but this is, this is bad. This is really bad. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. I love this part of the story. It never gets old. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. What does God the Father feel like toward people who've wasted their life and now they're saying, okay, but I want back in, but I totally blew it, but I'm, I want it back. What does God act like toward them? Well, here it is. He runs to them. He falls on them. He kisses them. And he says, uh, the, son, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Amazing part of the story. I don't know how you keep doing this. That is, that's impressive. Is that a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Thumbs up. Oh, <laughs> just an upside down thumbs up. Okay. And so what an amazing... So Jesus is saying, this is what my Father is like. And we have to remember this when we're relating to people who have even blown it in life. What does this God who sits above the earth and heaven in glory and majesty, what's He thinking toward people who massively blow it, even sons who've been in the kingdom serving the Father and they just waste their life in the most ridiculous way possible. This is His response. Jesus is saying, this is what my Father is like. And the implication is, this is what we need to be like toward people. And certainly Jesus is contrasting what the religious system of the day is like with what He's like and with what God the Father's really like. The religious system of the day, the Pharisees and Sadducees put an impossible burden on people. Adding law after tradition, after impossible statute that, that really weighed down on people and they taught God is exacting and severe, way more than He was. And so they, there was just crushing condemnation and law and difficulty. And so it was just... And Jesus is saying the Father is different than that. And we see this in the ministry of Christ. So many people who had needs, He would just meet their need and set them free. And then the, over in the corner, the Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to figure, oh, you can't do that on Sabbath. And oh, I can't believe you did this. And you're with those people over there, tax collectors and sinners. They had all these rules that you couldn't really do anything because they're... Their vision and view of God was just so warped. And Jesus is saying, this is what the Father's like. And as Christians today, we have to have a vision and a view of God that is this redemptive toward people. 
who can bring people back into the fold and say, let's celebrate the fact that you have turned back to the Lord. The story doesn't end there. Many people want it to end there, but Jesus turns the story around on the the other part of, you know, I'm using this parable as representing two different believers, but now he turns it toward the those who would be considered pious or obedient, dedicated, going for it is how we would say it. The older son who was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. You would think at this part of the story, the brother would be like, amazing. Oh my goodness, I've been praying for this for so long that my brother would return. Oh my gosh, what a day. Yeah, let's go celebrate. But that's not the reaction. So many believers... Many have this, verse 28, the older brother became angry. Couldn't believe God would do that. Couldn't believe God, we're going to need an intervention here real quick. We're, we're about to lose it. Okay. Thank you for blessing my... Yep. <laughs> go with mama. All right, let's go back to the back, sweetie. Go. Thank you. Again, Jesus is sharing this for a reason. He knows a lot of people are like the prodigal. A lot of people are like the pious. Only Jesus was perfect. We, we aspire to realign our heart to be like this perfect father and like this perfect son. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father... So, so listen... The father in the story, what's he do? He receives the prodigal son. He receives him back in. We have to do that. And he reasons with the pious son. He's really compassionate toward both parties. He receives the prodigal back. And then he goes out and he says, I want to have a conversation with my other son. He's totally not getting what I'm doing at all. And I see that he's angered. My compassion, my mercy has actually brought anger up in his heart. And we're, we're going to see revival. So many different kinds of groups of people are going to come bursting through church doors. And it's actually going to anger many believers. Because they don't have this paradigm of God's mercy and compassion on people. When the gay community, when the trans community, when the wrong political party community all start saying, I want to get in. I want to return back to the Lord. I want to get saved. I want to repent. I want to come back from a prodigal season. We can't have a church full of older, pious brothers angry that God would give them repentance. We have to get the Father's heart. This is what the Father does. He reasons. His Father, look! Or, uh, he, the father goes out to plead with him. It says, come on, come to the party. This is your brother. The older brother says, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've been obedient. I've been doing the work. I've been, ah. It's the angry obedience. Look, all these years, slaving, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate 
with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. I've been thinking about this uh, today and just that idea of you can be in the kingdom and have access to all that God has and still be so angry and still feel like you've gotten the shaft. You know, still feel like God is like holding out on you or, you know, that you sort of deserve more. And, and this entitlement is really dangerous because it touches all of us. Like, you know, Lord, I've been doing this and, ah, you know. He says, man, when, when my... When my son gets right with me, it is time to celebrate. You... And so again, notice what it surfaces in this other brother. It's just really interesting. Uh, he goes in verse 31, he says, My son, the father said, you are always with me. You have me, me anytime you want. You can, we can talk. We're father, son, like... You have access to so much. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He is lost. He was lost and is found. I love what the father in the story does. The brother, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the son, the older son calls the brother your son. It's like, look what your son did. And the father turns around and says, we had to celebrate this brother of yours. He turns it right back around. It's like Jesus is saying, this is kind of my thought, is saying, remember, this is your brother. Remember, this isn't just my son. This is your brother. You're to love him as a brother. It's that spirit of Cain, kind of. Cain was the one, I think it was, yeah, it was Cain. Cain said, Am I your brother's am I my brother's keeper? That was kind of the you know, where's Abel? Where's your brother? And Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Like, how would I know? There's something that was supposed to be in Cain's heart that wasn't there because that spirit of anger and murder. And the same spirit right here. He's this angry older brother and his he couldn't see him as this dear brother. Why do I share this story? Again, I'm not going long. I'm just going to close this here real quick. But we tend to be one of two people. And, and, and depending on how we've kind of far, we, we t when we're tempted, are we tempted more toward blatant compromise? Are we tempted more toward this angry obedience that's way more... Uh, you know, it's it's like a merciless view of God, where only I get to, only only I'm doing it right, and anybody else that loses their way, you know, then I'm going to use every verse I can to make sure that they know that how horrible they. Did. It's like no, that's not the heart of God. The father in the story he receives with compassion the prodigal. He reasons with compassion with that older brother. And it's like Jesus is saying, this is what the father's like. Be like that father.
We need to show mercy toward young believers that are caught up in all kinds of things. We need to show kindness toward the sons who are caught up in this angry obedience. We need to be a father, a spiritual father to the next generation and help navigate these problems. But we can't. the, the answer isn't, instead of being the prodigal, we do the pious thing. The answer is to be like this father. Amen. Everything I have is yours. Let's never forget that we don't... Let me, let me say it differently. Obedience was never supposed to be like this badge of honor. Whatever God calls us to do, we do it because there's this father, there's this relationship involved. And when we stay connected to the relational element of our faith, then we don't, we don't lose it with the people around us. And so we have to understand this is all about our relationship. We want to, we want to obey because we want to stay close to our father who commissioned us to do this or that. And if we do that, if we do it out of love, if we do that um, because we love Him, then we're going to love the people no matter what they get. And I don't want people to you know, squander their life, but the reality is, is many will. And we have to have an on-ramp for them. I mean, the, just the father in the story, I mean, I mean you, you read it, he runs out there. I mean, this is completely countercultural. Runs out there with a kiss, everything, the whole deal. Gets them the fatted calf. I mean, that's the, the calf they're feeding. They're stuffing it with food. It's thinking, my life is great. I don't know why they keep feeding me. They kill the fatted calf. They do. They go the whole nine yards. And I don't want to, you know, make people think that, you know, oh, it's a good thing to fall away. No, you can never get those years back. But we have to be a church. We have to be a people we have to be a prayer room. We have to be the, the kinds of you know, missionaries or whatever God's called us to do. We have to be able to receive people like this Father and reason people when their theology has made them way angry and warped and out there. We, we, we need to be able to navigate both. And so this is, this is a way more of a pastoral story than I think at first glance. But it's helpful. I want us just to pray. We're going to close and just do a little group together. But I just I want us to pray that God would give us this heart. Because I want to make it in ministry. I mean, I want to make it to the end faithful. I want all of us to. And I, and, and I know there's this, this is the way forward to see people this way. To give people that, that, that spirit of honor no matter what they've done with their life. Um. I want. I just want to be receptive, like this father. And and yes, God is holy. God is there. There is you know there is the fear of the Lord, obviously. But hey, this is Jesus preaching this sermon. This isn't. This is this is biblical. This is good stuff. And so I just I want to be like the father. I want all of us to be like the father. And I think if we are, we will shepherd this next generation effectively. Amen. Amen.
Oh, don't, not yet. Let me just say a prayer and then we're going to get together. Well, Heavenly Father, we've looked into Your Word and we just we ask right now, help us to be like the Father in this story, the Father that Jesus presented. We want to help whether people are coming back out of a wild lifestyle, a prodigal lifestyle, or they're just stuck in that. They're obedient, but they don't like it. They're angry about it. Lord, help us to, to lead and shepherd both into a, into a greater fruitfulness and joy and uh, surrender to Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.